people here have you ever seen weather like this and they go no then I get scared when I first got here I'd be like you know you see snow you're like oh my goodness you ain't seen nothing yet that's why I heard that maybe 400,000 times and then this morning these giant golf balls falling from the sky it was a meteor shower and and people that live here their whole lives are going I've never seen anything like this and I'm like oh I'm feel really encouraged now this is great so thank you for being here this morning um, my wife and I just got back from our 10-year anniversary trip, and thank you, thank you, and it was a great time, no kids, yeah, yeah, my parents are superheroes, because they watched our kids, <laughs> uh, yeah, <laughs> and we, we had a great time, we were up in the Brainerd area staying uh, at a friend's cabin, and they, they were gracious enough to lend it to us, and uh, it was right on a lake, and, and I'm a water guy, so it was really exciting. But when you haven't spent that much time with your spouse alone since your wedding, okay, I got a little nervous. Has anyone ever been there where you're just kind of, okay, all right, you find out why you love this person again, you know, and I don't mean that in any way. I mean, you're, you're so used to the flow of life, you have to stop for a minute sometimes, go, oh, yeah. You know, and it's, it's a great thing. So I'm in 16-year-old show-off mode, okay? So we're going to go kayaking, and I've done this a million times. I, I am really comfortable on the water. It's great. It's fantastic. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to show off a little bit, you know? And, uh, and I feel the butterflies going on. And, and I, I tell Shanna, I said, sweetie, you want to go kayaking? She's like, sure, I haven't really gone before. I said, oh, there's nothing to it. So we get in these kayaks, and, and uh, if you've been in a kayak, I mean, they move. You know, and they're, they're supposed to. They're supposed to bounce off. She's, she's going like this. I'm like, sweetie, there's nothing to worry about. You can rock these as much as you want. So I go one rock, two rock, over, upside down. <laughs> oh, yeah. I didn't even get to go, ah! It was just in mid-sentence, and I'm underwater. And we're way away from shore now. This thing is filled with water. So now I'm the goofy guy in the middle of the lake having to swim this back. Okay? So not a great first impression um, for our time, I thought. But she's like, if he had done that on our first date, I'd marry you on the spot. So I'm like, oh man, I've been trying way too hard my whole life. All I had to do was be me. Who knew? So it was great. One of the things that was very meaningful to me was the space and the silence. And when you're not used to silence, silence can be deafening. Uh, But once you acclimate yourself, uh, you begin to reacquaint yourself to the Lord in a space that you're not used to having. And I, one of my favorite things to do that helps me connect with the Lord is to paint. So I'm on this deck and I'm looking at beautiful sunshine and all this. And, and uh, I'm like, you know what? I, this is a great opportunity to talk with Jesus. <laughs> Who'd have thunk? 
And so I'm having conversation with him. But I ask him, what do you want to say to me? Not what do you want to say to Bridgewood. Not what do you want to say to me to say to Bridgewood. Just really selfishly. God, what do you want to say to me? Just me. (laughs) And I heard something. We're going to talk about this today. I heard something that alarmed me. Not because it was bad, but because I was like, what? And I said, Lord, what do you want to say to me? And this is what I heard. Do you love me? And I went, oh, great. We're going down John 21 here. You're going to Peter me right now? This is what we're doing? And I said, yes, I love you. And I'm like, here we go. He's going to say it two more times and drop some knowledge on me. So I'm ready. I'm waiting for him to say it again. And he says something else. He just says, why? And then I went, huh. So immediately, like a good Christian, I go to, what's the right answer? How often do we do that? I mean, no one's around. This is not a public conversation, but I'm looking for the right answer. God knows my mind. He knows my heart. But I'm still looking for the right answer. And, it's, and, and, and loving God is different than believing in God. It's different. They're intertwined for the Christian. Ho- hopefully, praise God, they're intertwined. But it's not the same. And I, I started going down, well, what do I believe about what loving God should be? So I'm like, well, you're gracious, you're this, you're that. And I kind of felt him in my spirit go, don't give me the theological answer. Why do you love me? And I could feel his eyes on me. And that can be really alarming for some people. When someone makes really intense eye contact with you, I believe in eye contact. I think it's respectful and it's good, but there's some that just don't let you break their gaze. Okay, who's been in those conversations? And maybe you're that person. And God's, God's looking, I feel him looking at me, and he goes, do you love me? Yes. Why? And I felt him go like this. And I'm like, no. And you think about it. And he did, I feel him follow. Why do you love me? Why? Look at me. Don't look for the answer. Look at me. And so I'm going, if I'm dealing with this, how many of us, doesn't matter how long you've been walking with Jesus, don't know how to answer that question for ourselves? We got the theological answer because we know the attributes of God and we believe them. And there are a lot of reasons why we love God. But what started it for you? Why do you love him? So I'm like, okay, well, what does this have to do with living in the tension? And what does this have to do with Romans and all this stuff? Well, here's the deal. I'm going to skip ahead a little bit. We're going to go to verse 16 in Romans. And we're going to spend a little time in John chapter 21 and revisit Peter's conversation with Jesus. But if we don't live from a place of why we love God, then people are not going to see Jesus the way he's meant to be seen in our lives. And what we say about him won't be fueled and backed by the love that we have for him because of the love he has for us. Because we can only love him back because he loves us first. So if we want to navigate tensions, we have to know and stand on why we love him. And know that. And it doesn't have to be this huge theological answer. I'll tell you, and I'm going to tell you in a little bit what my answer was, but it felt foolish at first. 
I'm like, that's, I need an answer that's going to answer all questions. But that's not what he was looking for. So we're going to start in Romans chapter 1, verse 16, and, and we'll get back to this verse weeks down the road. So for those of you that are, love the theology and, and um, the hermeneutics of things and exegesis, we'll get to some of that uh, later on. But I want to pull out very specific things here. And we want to remember that Paul is writing to a church in Rome that isn't thriving quite yet. It's still small. And there are people that are part of this small church, believers in Jesus, and you've got the thundering power of Rome. And it would be easy to shrink back when persecution and pressure comes. Wouldn't that for us? You're outnumbered by a ruthless power. And here you're believing in this carpenter, fully human, fully God, that died for our sins and raised again. And and that could cause someone to shrink back. And so Paul says this very famous statement that most of us who have grown up in church know. He says, I am not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God for the salvation of everyone who believes. First for the Jew, then for the Gentile. For in the gospel, a righteousness from God is revealed, a righteousness that is by faith from first to last. Just as it is written, the righteous will live by faith. Righteousness and faith are fueled by love. Let me say that again. Righteousness and faith are fueled by love. Our faith draws us in by love, into love, in order to love. Because who do we have faith in? Yeah. And who gives us that faith? Is it something we conjure up? Is it something that we can create out of No, it is by love. And the righteous, we become righteous as he is righteous because through his love. And so Paul is saying more than just, hey, hang on tight. Paul is fueled. His faith and grace in the gospel is fueled not just by what Jesus did, but why he did it. If one of the things I'm good at is judging. I can judge with the best of them. Anybody else there? No one? Just me? Okay. Yeah, it's really good to judge. And if I was judging Paul before he met Jesus, I would, this is what I would say about Paul. He's an evil man of the worst kind. There's no redemption for this man. He's going after the people of God. And more importantly, he believes it's right. And that makes him a very dangerous person. How many would agree? And yet Jesus ambushes him on the road to Damascus and flips his life upside down. Paul, I would argue, loves God because he was seen by God. Not for what he did, but who he is. And then when he has that encounter, his life changes. Yes, I mean, it's the only reason why you know who Jesus is. It's because Paul was sent to to show, not just preach, but show and illustrate the love of Jesus Christ to the Gentiles. And we would be considered Gentiles. And so Paul, when he says, I'm not ashamed, it's not just because of what Jesus did, it's why he did it. Because remember, we go back, and this makes it seem like we're in chapter 8 here, we're not, (laughs) but we go back to verse 1, Paul says, I, Paul, a slave to Christ. 
Everything else we hear comes from the platform that he belongs to Jesus because he loves him. And for Paul, he knows why. And then we look at John chapter 21. And we find Peter fishing after Jesus raises from the dead. How many of you, when you have questions about God, when you feel he's disappointed you, or when you, you, you're confused, you go back to what you know? Let's be honest here. How often do we go back to what we know? Peter, who we all know loves God, amen, went back to what he knew. Fishing. He went back to fishing. And then Jesus is on the shore, and, and there's an interaction that happens, and Peter recognizes that it's Jesus, and he jumps off, and he's eager to go, and they have lunch on the beach, and this is what Jesus says to him. When they had finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you truly love me more than these? And we don't know what more than these is without a shadow of a doubt. It could be more than the other disciples, because that's mentioned in Scripture and other places. It could be more than fishing, than what you do, what he does. But it doesn't matter. Do you love me more than all of this? Everything you hold of value, do you truly love me more than these? Yes, Lord, he says. You know that I love you. And Jesus says, feed my lambs. Again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you truly love me? And he answered, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus says, watch your tone. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) He answered, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said, take care of my sheep. Then a third time he said, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him the third time, do you love me? He said, Lord, you know all things. You know I love you. Jesus said, feed my sheep. And then there's more to that. Now we look at this and we know theologically that this is a reinstatement of Peter in many ways. But what I've learned about Scripture is rarely does it address just one thing. Even in its proper context, rarely does it address just one thing. See, Peter loves Jesus, but in this moment... We see, I believe, why he loves Jesus. Jesus isn't just saying this, I believe. Jesus isn't only saying this to make Peter feel better about himself, but that Peter knows how Jesus sees him because he follows it up with, do you love me? Yes, I love you. Then what? Feed my sheep. When Jesus says that, that is one of the most precious charges that he could give someone. Think about it. If you ask someone to watch your children, it's because you trust them to do so. To cherish them. To love them. To protect them. And I believe Peter loves Jesus because Jesus sees Peter. Not just what Peter, how Peter missed the mark, but sees Peter. And I believe that's why Peter loves him. Not the only reason. But we see that in Acts 3, Peter and John, when they go to the temple and they're outside the gate called Beautiful, there's a man there who is crippled. And Peter, with that awkward eye contact, said, look at me. Know that I see you. Where did he learn that from? 
I don't have silver and gold, but what I can give you, I give you. In the name of Jesus, get up. And remember, in that culture, that man on that ground had no value to society. And Peter looked at him. They wouldn't look. People walking by would not look at them. And he made eye contact. He saw him, not just, not just his, his economic status. He saw him. Peter learned. He illustrated what he loves the most, in my opinion, about his encounters with Jesus. He sees us. So I'm going to ask you this question. First, do you love God? Do you love him? You don't have to tell me. And it's not, this is not to shame anybody. It's not to prove anything. It's an important question that we ask. Do you love Jesus? Now, our pews around the country are filled with people that I hope believe in Jesus. I'm asking you a different question. Do you love Jesus? Do you love him? There's a great song by this band called Mumford and Sons, and they say this line, where, you're, where you invest your love is where you invest your life. How, how true is that? <laughs> we give our love away to something, and our life bears those consequences, good or bad. So where we put it is where our life is. So I'm asking you, do you love Jesus? And then I would ask you this, Why? I'm not asking you for the right answer. I'm asking for your answer. Why do you love him? I uh, was thinking about this question, obviously, because <laughs> it was tormenting me. Because I've, I, I've known Jesus my whole life. And it's so easy to get on the believe train. And it's so easy to, to use the theology to give reasons why I love God. And it's true. There are lots of reasons I love God. But what was the reason that started the whole journey for me? I had to revisit that question. Actually, I had to ask it for the first time. I think it's a question we can miss, even though it's really obvious, isn't it? Why do you love Jesus? I hear more often, why do you believe in Jesus? How many hear that? Why do you believe in him? And some will say, well, because I love him. Well, why? And so I, I thought about it, and I prayed into it, and I allowed the Lord to lead me down the road, and I wanted the right answer because I knew he'd probably have me share it with you, and I wanted a really good, fancy answer that would make you all feel really good. Well, I did. I'm being honest. I wanted something that would go, boom, life changed. But then again, I approached that question the wrong way. Not the way, what is it for me? Not for you. And no offense, but it doesn't matter what it does for you. For me. So that when I minister with Jesus to the world, they see why I love him and not just hear about it. So, I thought back, and here's my answer. I love Jesus first and foremost because he's safe. And we use that word a lot here, but let me tell you what I mean by that. The kind of safety that I am speaking of is not conditional to its circumstances. So I thought, why is that what I love most about him that allows me to love him in all these other ways? 
Well, when I was young, I got bullied out of the gate for a lot of different reasons, and it was hard to feel safe. At school, it was hard to feel safe, even in familiar environments. For whatever the reason, how many have felt that kind of unsafety? For whatever reason. And one of the safest places, I've been blessed to have wonderful parents, and they're here, and it's amazing that they're here. One of the things my dad and my mom would do uh, when I was young is that they would read to us, my brother and I. And then they would just stay there with us and lay there with us until we fell asleep. And I never felt more safe in my life. My defenses were down. And I could rest. How many are starving for rest in your life? Anybody? Other than me? <laughs> do you know why I, I believe we don't have rest? It's because we don't identify safe places to let the defenses go down. I can't rest if I have my defenses up. And it could be, well, I've got to do something so my defense is up so that I can get that done. I can't let certain things in because if I do, then I can't get that done. Or someone betrayed trust or someone's done this to me and these defenses go up. But in that time, I remember with my dad or with my mom, I felt completely safe. I felt like there was nothing anyone could do. It was the safest I could ever feel on this earth until I started walking with Jesus. And he dwarfed that safety and that was great safety. And it took me till I was about 19, and I'm on my deathbed from diabetes, not knowing what it was. I was told I had two hours to live if they didn't fix stuff, and I felt a peace I've never felt ever in my life. And that's where I truly fell in love with Jesus. Because my circumstances couldn't dictate the amount of peace I had. And from that place, I was like, I can be vulnerable. From that place, I can be as authentic as I can be because I'm not afraid, because I am safe in his hands. I am safe. You can say all the things you want to put me down or to rob me of peace and joy, but you can't because the reason why I first loved Jesus is because he's safe. And it wasn't because he did anything. It's who he is. He is safe. And out of that, out of who he is, we have all these wonderful things that he's done. And more times than not, I love Jesus because he died on the cross. Absolutely, that's wonderful. But there's something before, that's what he's done. I love him because he did this stuff. That's fine. But for me, I realized it's not just because he's done stuff for me, it's because he is this. And out of that, he's done this. And he's worthy to be praised before even that happens. So then it led me down another dangerous question. God, would I love you if I didn't have the guarantee of being with you for eternity? That rocked my heart. It's about him or getting things. Or getting away from something and into something. And I realized, you know what? Absolutely I would. Because if not... I'm never safe and I can never enjoy and engage life that it meant, that I'm, the way I meant to. Because only he can provide for me that safety to engage life. Regardless of what it gets me in the long run, I love him now because he's worthy to be loved now. So I ask you, do you love him? And if you do, why? What is it for you? 
it's an important question for us to revisit. Because it drives how we minister to the people around us. I don't want only my belief in him to drive ministry. I want my love for him to drive the way I do ministry. Because the only reason why I'm doing ministry is because he loves me and I love him. That's the only reason. Out of my love for him, I can be obedient to him. And that's scriptural. The love comes first. And that drives everything. So as we continue in Romans, as we continue to live in the tensions, do you think it's important for us to know why we love him? And it's about what he, he saves us from or why he saves us. It's about what he did or why he did it. Because the why is all about how he sees us. And that is what we respond to, I believe, is the why. Because he loves us. Man, I love him back for that. And are there a million different reasons why we love him? Absolutely. But I'm asking you to walk away from this place today and ask the question, what started the whole thing? And if you don't know for you, ask him. And if you don't know if you hear him, trust that he'll make himself known when you ask him. Are you with me? Yeah? Well, we're going to pray. And as we do that, um, we're going to have communion after the offering. And what a place to ask that question. To remember what he's done as a reminder of who he is. And for you to ask, why do I love you? And it doesn't matter if you've been walking with Jesus 50 years, 60 years, two years, two months. It's a question we need to ask, because I'll tell you what, I had an answer for why I believe. I didn't have an answer at the time for why I loved him. How easy it is to get those confused. Let's pray. God, we are thankful and we are grateful for you and for your goodness. And I thank you that out of your goodness, out of all that makes you who you are, you've changed our lives. You've created us. You've redeemed us through your Son. You transform us with ever-increasing glory. You speak life into us. You're safe for us. And a multitude of other things. And we thank you. And not just with our words, but with our hearts. We thank you. I ask as we enter this time of offering that we would understand this is about you. It's not about money. It's about you. You're worthy to be praised. It's a way that we worship you. We lift you up. More importantly, it's a way in which we trust you. With all that we have. With all that we are. And ask that you would bless our gifts to you for your kingdom. Yes, to advance it, but also that people would know the deep love you have for them and that we can love you back. So bless this time of worship. May our love for you fuel, 
fuel how we lift you up and worship you. Our love for you is a response to your love for us. We thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. When the night is home